up, you beautiful bastards? Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. And y'all, I got Wordle in three tries this morning, which means my brain turned on, I'm in game mode, I'm giving you an S-tier quality show, so buckle up, hit that like button, and let's just jump into it. It looks like I'm coked out of my mind, but I'm just, I just have energy today. And to start us off, easily my favorite headline of the day, Southwest passenger arrested for masturbating four times during flight, which, if you're unfamiliar with Southwest, they usually cap it at three. I'm kidding, Greg, please stop jerking it on the plane. And according to the criminal complaint, the creep at the center of this story was Antonio Sherrod McGarity. He was on a flight from Seattle to Phoenix, and you may be thinking, that's a two hour, 50 minute flight. Four times? He went to the bathroom four times, and I unfortunately have to let you know, he didn't do it in the bathroom. He allegedly did this right next to a female passenger. And forget all three hours, this guy seemingly didn't have a moment to waste with the female passenger saying all four of those incidents happened within the first hour of the flight alone. And according to reports, the woman took photos and when McGarity fell asleep, she told the flight crew what happened and they moved her to another seat on the flight, with the woman ultimately turning the photos over to Phoenix police when the flight landed. And as far as what McGarity had to say for himself, the FBI reportedly interviewed him and he said, I didn't think she had a problem with it and I thought it was kind of kinky. And more specifically, the complaint states McGarity had asked the female witness if she minded if he masturbates. And he claims the female witness put her hands in the air and said, it really doesn't matter. And so ultimately we'll have to wait to see what happens to McGarity. He's facing charges related to lewd and decent or obscene acts. And as far as flying Southwest, he's done. He's got a lifetime ban. And then we had 15 year old Michael Kuame in the news who most of you have probably never heard of before. He's a junior tennis player. In fact, a number one seeded tennis player. And in the first round of the ITF juniors tournament, he ended up losing. And while that alone would be news if you were an avid tennis fan, the reason we're talking about it today is because of what happened happened after the match. They go in to shake hands and... Come on, Michael, though, I will say in his defense, I did find out after he was just trying to be a vessel of love. So stupid. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Fuck a poor sport. Also, after the slap, there was this weird brawl that broke out between the two camps. But with this story, I'm just left with the idea that as important as it is to get our kids to strive for greatness, to succeed, to win, it's also important to prep them to lose because life is gonna hand you some L's. And how you react to those L's, that's who you really are at your core. This is a 15 year old. I hope he learns, he grows, but this is the truth. It's easy to be a good guy when you win. That has improved shit. And then, you know, in the immediate aftermath of the Will Smith, Chris Rock, Oscar Slab situation, something that people were talking about is how in America, one of the most disregarded, disrespected people in the country are black women. Well, I think people were incorrectly connecting that to the Will Smith situation as a way to excuse an assault from someone they just like. That doesn't change the fact that it's true, whether it be just in a general societal sense, all the way to actual numbers backing this up. We've done deep dives on this topic on this channel in the past, but I mean, look at the preventable maternal mortality rates for black women. And look at the studies I found when black women are saying, I'm in pain, that it was believed at a lesser rate. And when they try to advocate for themselves, it falls on deaf ears more often. It's fucking insane, but if you want like a celebrity story that actually encompasses black women not being protected, I think the Tory Lanez, Megan the Stallion situation hits the nail on the head. How do you shoot one of the biggest female stars in the world with an unregistered firearm and you're not in jail right now? Though, actually the reason I'm mentioning this is because Tory Lanez was handcuffed and rearrested in court today. This after reportedly a judge in his assault case upped his bail to $350,000 saying that Tory Lanez violated court orders involving Megan Thee Stallion, with the ruling being made over tweets that Lanez wrote that seemed to be a clear message to Meg Thee Stallion. And as of recording, if he does get released, he'll be banned from mentioning Meg Thee Stallion in any social media. But y'all, let's be honest, if Tory Lanez shot, let's say, Taylor Swift, they would have put that dude in Guantanamo Bay. Meanwhile, when it's Meg Thee Stallion, you have Tory Lanez actively chirping at her online. And I've seen some of y'all online preaching about protect black women to justify Will's assault. 
just completely still staying with Tory Lanez. It's almost like for some, it's not really about protecting. But from that, I wanna take a second to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Keeps. Did you know that two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35? And here's the thing, you don't have to just wait around for that to happen to you. Whether you're looking to prevent hair loss, stimulate hair growth, or just take better care of the hair you have, Keeps has you covered. Keeps helps you stop hair loss before it's too late with a scientific and affordable approach to treatments that are up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. Also, in addition to clinically proven treatments, Keeps has an award-winning all-natural thickening shampoo and conditioner system. And you can get these products delivered directly to your door, meaning no more going in person to the doctor's office for your prescription, saving you both valuable time and money. So if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash DeFranco, or just click that link in the description down below to receive 50% off your first order. And then yesterday, remember when I said, also the securities document Musk signed indicates that he intended for the investment to be passive, so he doesn't plan to take control of the company. But things can change, things can be a faint, and this is Elon Musk we're talking about. Yep, he's getting power in a board seat. With the news having now broken that Twitter filed paperwork with the SEC appointing him to their board. And the details of his seat are very interesting. Musk will have a seat on the board until his term expires in 2024. And very interestingly, they made it so that as long as he serves on the board and 90 days after his term ends, he cannot be the owner of more than 14.9% of the company's common stock outstanding. Or so seemingly trying to put in place guardrails to make sure he doesn't consolidate too much power. Also, with this filing, we saw Twitter CEO Parag Agrawal confirming the news in a tweet today. Writing through conversations with Elon in recent weeks, it became clear to us that he would bring great value to our board. And adding, he's both a passionate believer and intense critic of the service, which is exactly what we need on Twitter and in the boardroom to make us stronger in the long term. And already it looks like Musk is taking steps to change Twitter, posting a poll yesterday asking users, do you want an edit button? And that's not just a, like, he thinks that maybe he has some pull or power here. Agarwal literally retweeted that post and added, the consequences of this poll will be important. Please vote carefully. But yeah, this is gonna be an interesting thing to keep your eyes on. Especially because there has been increased chatter about things like if his new seat on the board could lead to big changes like returning Trump to Twitter. And then let's talk about the R word. It is a word that makes a lot of people feel very uncomfortable, but for a number of reasons, it is very important to me today to say this out loud in a video, consequences be damned. So say it with me recession. Because as you've probably noticed, there are tons of headlines right now claiming there are signs that we are headed into a recession. Talking about the Fed's boosting rates, the largest inflation in years, and the bond yield curve getting inverted. While a lot of the conversation has been in the realm of pundits and writers today, things got more serious with Deutsche Bank, one of the world's largest banks, coming out and expressing its own concerns that things are really heading towards a recession. With their main concern being that interest rates will be rising, making it more expensive to borrow money and thus reducing the amount of cash available to consumers. And in the US, one of the biggest markets affected by the interest rate hikes is the housing market. And in addition, to that, you have some pointing to things like the yield curve inversion, which don't worry, you don't need to actually know what the fuck I'm talking about there. It's just a way to say that short-term bonds are returning more than long-term ones, which once again, don't even need to understand that. All you need to know is that is usually an indicator that investors are increasingly concerned about the future and how well the companies or governments issuing the bonds will be able to keep up with the long-term ones. But it's also important to note that is not always the case. Right, last week's inversion, which is two-year bonds yielding more than 10-year ones, seesaw between being inverted and not. But that's just one example. The feds are more worried about the other ones, such as a three-month bond versus a 10-year bond. And there, the curve is extremely healthy with a 10-year bond yielding far more. So that's why it's not surprising that while some investors and even Deutsche Bank are worried about a recession, it's not the consensus right now. With the bank even admitting as such, saying, our call for a recession in the US next year is currently way out of consensus. However, saying they do think that others will soon jump on board. But so far, Goldman Sachs is not joining on with their economists disagreeing, saying in a report yesterday that the recession was far from inevitable, with them arguing that on average, consumers and companies had more cash than normal right now. So I guess the main point of this story is the sky is falling, or maybe it's not, we're not, not sure fully, brace for impact, but also keep things business as usual and light, y'all. Think of all the bonding we have to do in the bread lines. And then, do you smell that?
Probably not, because asbestos, everyone's favorite cancer giver, is odorless. And if you're like, wait, asbestos, isn't that something that like we used to use? Yes and no. Between 1999 and 2017, about a quarter million people were killed from exposure. And an estimated 12,000 to 15,000 Americans die every year to asbestos-related diseases. Right, so what had happened was the EPA did ban it back in 1989, but that was actually largely overturned two years later by a court decision that weakened the agency's authority. So although the carcinogen has been declining for decades, one specific kind known as chrysotile asbestos is still being used. Which is partly why in 2016 Obama passed a law authorizing new rules for tens of thousands of toxic chemicals found in everyday products. And all of that has finally gotten us to this moment where the EPA just proposed a rule to finally ban asbestos, which apparently is still used in some chlorine bleach, brake pads, and other products, even though we've known this shit is deadly for years. With EPA Administrator Michael Reagan now saying the proposed asbestos ban demonstrates significant progress in our work to implement the 2016 law and take bold, long overdue actions to protect those most vulnerable among us. But yeah, ultimately I think this should put your heart at ease because outside of you know asbestos specifically with this story you should know that if something is actively killing americans the u.s government will take it upon themselves to handle it in about three decades. And then finally today, as you are very much aware, you know, the price for goods has gone up steadily since the pandemic began. And a decent chunk of that is because of the major decrease in shipping alongside a decrease in production capabilities. With a lot of that tracing back to China, which has a serious zero tolerance policy towards COVID-19 outbreaks, infamously leading to entire cities being quarantined and shut down. And that just happened again over there, but this time it happened at the home of the world's largest port, Shanghai. Last week, city officials put the city into lockdown as coronavirus cases continued to rise. On Sunday, there were 8,581 asymptomatic cases recorded, with the cases spiking on Monday to over 13,000. And so due to the rise in cases, officials have extended their lockdown indefinitely, a move which has angered many residents as they were expected to be able to return to some normalcy today, which was the original end for the lockdown. Also, a key thing to note is when I say lockdown, I don't mean like an American lockdown where people aren't actually locked down. In China, you are largely stuck at home or in a quarantine facility if you test positive. In fact, the rules are so rigid that some families have been separated as parents or children are forced to go to quarantine while the others are forced to stay home. And there's really no way around it for them because I mean, literally, all 25 million plus residents get tested regularly. And while yes, China has been praised for keeping its death toll from the coronavirus relatively low, there's also been increasing frustration that its policies towards handling the virus go too far, with there even being reports that the draconian lockdown rules have led to deaths of their own. With things like, according to a now censored article in the state-run Global Times, a diabetic man was forced off dialysis after a COVID diagnosis and died before he could be transferred. With another news story saying there was a nurse who allegedly had a lethal asthma attack and she couldn't go to the hospital because it was in lockdown and being disinfected. But with all that said, I will say there is something extremely interesting about this outbreak specifically. Asymptomatic cases are completely eclipsing symptomatic ones. Right, remember how I said the daily asymptomatic cases had spiked to 13,000 yesterday? Well, across that same period of time, there were only 268 symptomatic cases. So it makes you wonder in places where people aren't testing as actively, how many people have actually been infected with COVID? But that's it for today's show. Click here for more news, including this morning's bonus video, and I'll see you tomorrow.